watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're gonna take a look at three movies. Blade Runner 2049, Lucky, and Shavella. And as always, we're gonna rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge it being our highest rating, Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Hi, 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 hi. Uh, Rebecca, what's up with you? Ooh, catching me off guard. <laughs> um, All elbows today. I saw a bunch of cute dogs today. I had about five cups of coffee. And... What is up with me is actually something that has been with up, what's up with me for a minute now. Okay. Um, which is a weird way to say that. I wish I hadn't. Um, for a while, and it's that this is something I, I, I've ever, a lot of weeks I'm, I'm like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it, and mm. then some weeks I'm like oh I actually have nothing up with me, but I still forget to mes- mention it. Uh, and it's about how um, this is a, around two years we've been doing this podcast now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and. We, I often joke about how much I hate you, um, uh, and can't stand you, think you're terrible. I feel a proposal coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's been two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I, you know, over the past couple of months, I've been having a really kind of a weird time personally, and um, I just wanted to take the minute to say how much I appreciate how much you've been here for me, and you've oh. been, um, you know, we were, we've known each other for like seven years, but we were never yeah. like super close. We never really mm-hmm. hung out one on one. Yeah. And um, through this podcast, we've definitely hung out a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you've been a, a wonderful, reliable uh, ear. You've mm. been really proactive about asking me um, what's up with me, not just mm. in the context of right I'm now. I'm like, honey, that's a script. <laughs> You're like, I don't actually give a shit. <laughs> we agree. That's what we were going to talk about. Um, no, you've, we've sat and we've talked and I've told you some of the most um, personal things, some of the hardest questions I've I've been wrestling with. And you have been really um really wonderful you've given advice that really like shows that you care about my best interest and i really appreciate it and it's been wonderful getting to know you more and uh, letting you in and also it's it's not easy to work with a friend sometimes Mm -mm. right because it's a blurry lines of responsibility and Mm -hmm. um you know communication and it's been great um so love you oh i love you too what's up with you this is very this is very unexpected um, well, this is awkward. I spent the whole weekend talking so much shit about you. Uh, <laughs> I deserve it. I deserve it. Let's be honest. Um, well, I mean, the feeling the feeling is mutual. It's true that, um, you know, Rebecca and I were uh, acquaintances for a number of years before we got started on this podcast. And, and, and you've certainly become one of my favorite people in the world. Mm. Um, top 45, 50 even. Uh, no. <laughs> top 8. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still your MySpace top eight, right? Yes, right? you would be. You would right. be up there. Um, so that was very, very sweet of you, and and it's been my pleasure and my honor to uh, to walk alongside you uh, this these past few months and these past two years, and we shall continue onward. Let's do it. Guys, this is my last show. This is I know. I was like, <laughs> this is how she lets me know on the air that we're done. <laughs> uh, so um, with that all said, <laughs> I spent my weekend getting wasted. No. Um, <laughs> Guys, I went to Palm Springs for the first time ever. That was your first time? That was my first time. I've been in California 12 years. 12 years. And I've never been to Palm Springs before. And I'm a homo. Mm -hmm. A homosexual. Now now everybody knows. Now it's out there. Now I've said it and everyone knows. And I have never been there. So so we went. It was myself and some, some mutual friends of ours and Scott. And we did the whole house rental thing, mm-hmm. and I got to discover what dry heat really means. I mm-hmm. thought I knew what it meant. I did not. Fry an egg on your face. Well, but that's remarkable is that like even though it's like a hundred degrees, it doesn't feel like suffocating because there's I love it. no humidity. I'm like, this is heaven. It is heaven. It really is. Uh, so is you a... stand in the shade and you're not hot anymore. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, like not really sweaty. Like it was remarkable we're both from an area where when it gets hot it gets humid and that is disgusting when it's really never not humid that's true yeah uh so that was great and then uh that we just went there friday through sunday sunday we were driving back we'd left early sunday morning we were back in la by noon um and then we went out to brunch and uh i spotted iliana douglas at brunch so it was really kind of moment and uh, was that the mick cafe in the (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, everything's so fancy here. <laughs> um, movie stars at the Mick Cafe, um, high class. And, uh, and then we went out drinking for a while in West Hollywood. Mm. And I just got to, I got to a point where I was unfit to be around people. Mm-hmm. And yet I had mm-hmm. to remain around people. Mm. Um, and I think it was one of those things where a weekend of being in like extreme sun exposure mm-hmm. while also drinking alcohol, it kind of all caught up with me at once. And unfortunately, it happened just as I was about to go off and have a nice dinner with Scott. Oh, no. Yes. So we parted ways from our Palm Springs compatriots. And um, Scott decided that we had enough time before we had to be at the airport to go out to dinner at the Stinking Rose in L.A., um, which we have one in San Francisco too. It's where we actually we had our wedding rehearsal dinner, but we went <laughs> to the one in LA because he was like, "Oh, I want to go." He's like, yeah, "I used to go there as a kid, and I have all these great memories there." And oh, I wanted to show it to you. And I'm like, oh, f- "Whatever." Um, <laughs> and um, and so we go to the Stinging Rose, and uh, and it's and it's it's really cute. They have like every 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 peep, every little party dinner party get seated in this little striped sort of miniature tent almost like gazebo situation like a kardashian tent like a kardashian tent as you guys may have seen rebecca post on our facebook page i'm very excited about it that was a good post um but then while i was like walking to the table with scott i somehow drunkenly like squeezed my hand between my body and some hard surface too hard and then my hand was just like shooting horrible pains through my like slow drink addled body and it made me very angry. And so I sit down across from Scott and I'm just like, my hand fucking hurts. My hand hurts. And he's like, oh, I, oh what'd you do? I'm like, I don't fucking know what I did. And like, I don't know how loud I was being, but he was leaving me looks like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. My hand hurts. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry you hurt your hand. I'm like, I don't even fucking know what I did to it. <laughs> Oh my god! It was bad. And, it sounds um, amazing. And so I'm like sitting, like looking at this menu, and I'm of course ordering more drinks um, <laughs> and figuring out what I can eat <laughs> keto wise at a fucking Italian restaurant. Um, and uh, and I'm just like, <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts. How like, long did it hurt for? What the hurt, hell did you it do? It still hurts now. Actually, um, I still have no idea what I did. But so I was, I was being so obnoxious, and then Scott was like trying to like be sweet and upbeat, and he was like. He's like, yeah, you know, more. the more we come down here to L.A., the more I think that it would be fun to, like, split our time, you know, between San Francisco and L.A. or something. You know, I, I, I'm more open to it now than I was before because he's lived in L.A. previously, and mm-hmm. so he never wants to, like, go backward. Mm-hmm. But he's like, yeah, maybe we could live in L.A. someday. And I'm like, this city is so fucking ugly. <laughs> this city is so ugly. And he's like, what? And I'm like, and he's like, I thought you wanted to. I'm like, I'm just saying, it's ugly. It's ugly. Every block looks the same. It's the same ugly fucking block stretching out for miles at a time. And uh, and uh, and and he was like, okay, well, I, I thought you wanted to. Wow. And I'm just like, I don't. I don't. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 I apologize for putting putting our listeners through with my reenactment. <laughs> now you know how poor Scott felt during that dinner. Yeah, this sounds like a, a real time. And, uh, and I that I don't envy. And I it was I was done. I was done. I was not fit. And then we went straight from there to LAX, where at the gate, um, we ran into we ran into a work colleague Christian, who you know, oh, yeah. yes, who listens to the show. And then he came over and started talking to us. And I used every single ounce of energy in my being to like keep my complete drunkenness from him. Um, and he later told me that he did not know. Oh uh, wow! So it worked that self on back all i did was destroy my husband's sweet childhood dinner no uh but i kept things solid with christian you know sometimes you have to uh you make, make an omelet you got to pick your battles break a few eggs you got to break no. a few battles i think break a few battles. in the war omelet break a few relationships yes um so did you apologize yes the next day the next day i was like i'm very very sorry that i ruined your sweet childhood dinner at that place you liked so much uh and he was like it's okay. <laughs> like, oh God, I'm a fucking asshole. Well, as long as you recognize it. Yes, yes, I do. So, so it balances out the sweet, complimentary nature of your what's up with me with my own account of my like complete <laughs> garbage person you. status. Um, <laughs> Maybe I take it all back. Trash humans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of my garbage friends. people. Yeah. Um, shall we? Let's do it. The first movie of the week is Blade Runner 2049. Officer K, a new Blade Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, a former Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. 
Every civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce. But I can only make so many. Shh. Happy birthday. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. So it's an interesting time for dystopian sci-fi flicks, mm. wouldn't you say? <laughs> I might just. I might just. Are you speaking of the fact that we live in a dystopia? Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, uh, and and let me just jump right in and, and, and say that there is a now, there's a, a scene in this movie uh, in which uh, Harrison Ford's character, Rick Deckard, which he played in the original Blade Runner, mm-hmm. he is holed up in a resort in Las Vegas. No. And he has a live dialogue about how people come to Las Vegas to forget about their troubles. So, Oof. yes. So I haven't anything about that yet in the... Uh... Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I'm, I don't know if they are going to take it out because I had this screened for me the day after um, the attacks in Vegas. And uh, and I was sitting next to her friend Ingu and she like looked at me very hard uh, whenever that line was said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so yeah so it's sort of a it's it's overlapping dystopia is mm-hmm. what you get in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, but you know that that aside, Blade Runner isn't even. I don't think of it. It's not. It's less dystopia than just like sci fi. Just like imagining mm-hmm. this 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 sort of world where. I mean, it's it's one of the oldest sci-fi stories in the book. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. done a million times in like Battlestar Galactica. Bill. Yeah, just imagine, you know, like a, a, a an AI kind of race that gains sentience. Mm-hmm. Star Trek: Next Generation, mm-hmm. and, Matrix, uh, and in this case, you it's know, a great story. I'm into it. <laughs> it is. You're like, you know what? I'm ready. Let's <laughs> just go <laughs> fucking watch it. And you know, and that was the story of the first Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, you had Deckard, who was this replicant, which is what they are called, what the sort of artificial people are called. And he was, uh, you know, it was, there was a replicant uprising and he's going out trying to snuff out all the replicants to restore order, but then feeling conflicted, da, 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 da. And, um, and so. <laughs> Dale is old as time. You know, like I said, <laughs> it's in the Bible, I think. <laughs> and, that that uh, snake was, uh, mm-hmm. a little too smart. <laughs> which this is. I've been thinking a lot recently about how I'm very bad with symbolism. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> My brain just doesn't work in in that way. Um, so, like when I walked out of Mother, oh, for right. instance, like, I, what's that about? Yeah, I had like the most surface level reading of it. I'm like, oh yeah, well, it's about like relationships in the public eye, and because I can connect emotionally to what I'm watching, but not like cerebrally as much. That's so interesting because I would think that. Well, I don't know. I would think that that's the the deeper take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like maybe it is. I don't mean. Thank you. You're just you so, really are you're just, just so much more I'm deep really, than I everyone like else. You today, but uh, but no, like with in a this, good mood. with the <laughs> enjoy while it lasts. Guys, she worked from home today, so she's <laughs> she's feeling relaxed. She's feeling centered. Want to talk to somebody? Yes, <laughs> so somebody <alone>. who loves me. <laughs> uh, so you know, and and so yeah, coming out of mother, I was like, what is everyone talking? And then I'm like, oh 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 oh, creation. Oh oh mm. okay, sure. Like when people point it out, I'm like, oh yeah. But I, I will never be the one who thinks of it. <laughs> um, and, and this movie is like the same way because, I was, you know, I've been reading a lot of other takes on it since seeing it. And um, and I guess it's the kind of thing where if you want to read a lot of like symbolic meaning into it, you could. I was totally on board just with the idea of like, um, you know, an exploited kind of population mm-hmm. rising up and, and, you know, demanding uh equality and you know like uh, that you know easily that's a reading yeah i mean like you know i'm easily i can get behind that real easy but then anytime it starts to become about a creation myth maybe just because it seems too obvious but i just never go there Mm. i'm like what isn't a creation myth mean girls is a creation myth (laughs) i say that because this is the week of october 3rd uh which is everyone knows is mean girls day um, but not Rebecca. Rebecca did not know that. Yeah, I got a ping at work about that, and I'm like, ha what? A, what? <laughs> oh, like, you guys, yeah, so I fun. I definitely what? knew that. I don't know what it means, but mm. then, now it's not the time. No, um, I mean we might as well. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you offline. Um, but so yeah, so this 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 movie is you know again with these kind of you know similar kinds of themes, and it's 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 okay. So this movie and, and Lucky. <laughs> This movie and Lucky, <clears throat> another movie we were reviewing later this episode, I think both benefit 
um, if you have great reverence in their subject matter. Um, or in the case of in the case of this one, if you are very reverent about the first movie mm-hmm. about Blade Runner, then I think you will love this. Um, and lucky if you're like a Harry Dean Stanton aficionado, mm, yeah, you will love. You really will. It. Um, or but, or tortoise aficionado. Or that for that matter. But if you're not those things, I don't know that these movies are for you. Interesting. So Blade Runner 2049 is first of all nearly three hours long. Whoa. And it feels every second of its screen time. Uh, It is, it inches along at an extremely deliberate and I dare say glacial pace. Mm. It's as unhurried as they come. Um, There are scenes that Kind of like this review. (laughs) (laughs) There's my girl. (laughs) And I'm back. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and, and part of that may have been because from like the sixth minute of the movie, I had Ingu giving me side eye going, rolling her eyes like. <laughs> <laughs> no, the movie was actually an hour 45. <laughs> um, I've been, the, the well's been poisoned by, which is always <laughs> is by sitting next to Miss Ingu. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, I can't imagine there are going to be many new converts to like the Blade Runner universe, such as it is from this movie, because it's just so slow. And I just don't, like, I think people looking for, you know, a good time at the movies are going to watch this and be a little bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and know. I, I think the first one, like, still holds up enough on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, it, even though, you know, it's that retro-futuristic thing and that it's, like, it's old, but it's about the future, um, which often can be, like, a well, yeah. tragic um, yeah, scene. I know. Well, it takes place in um, 2019, the original, right? I believe. I actually just recently saw the first one. Oh. Um, and I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those like, why, like, what can you possibly do different and better uh, other than having Ryan Gosling in it? Right. The story seems so similar. Well, the story, and, you know, this is not, you know, this is definitely not an example of like them rushing to make a sequel. Sure. Uh, you know, nor is it an example of one of those like. They're m- like, they need to make it before Harrison Ford crashes his plane into something and dies. God. Let me say this about Harrison Ford in this movie. I feel like he insisted that his character get to display his strength by like punching a lot of people mm. because his character lands a lot of punches on people and it just looks and he's and he doesn't look like he can pull it off <laughs> you just like, see these like these like young virile stuntmen just like standing there leaning their faces toward his fist <laughs> um, he's like oh, do it i'll give you more of where that came from uh it's it's yeah it's it that old man strength though you yeah. gotta watch out no he comes through he comes through uh, so it's, you know, I don't mean to say at all that this is like a shitty sequel or like a cash grab or one of those mm-hmm. things like Basic Instinct 2 where it's like 30 years later and you're like, wait, what? Why? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it just, yeah. And it's gorgeous. And, you know, Denis Villeneuve directs and he directed mm-hmm. Arrival. Soundtrack is uh, amazing. It is. The soundtrack, you know, pays interesting homage to the to Vangelis, the original mm-hmm. score from the first movie. I guess originally they'd had Johan Johansson tapped to hmm. do the score, but then they went in different directions. Hmm. And uh, instead, I believe they have Johan Zimmer mm-hmm. uh, in there yep. firing up his <laughs> machine. <laughs> that they, they actually it runs on solar now. That thing has never been cranked up louder in its life than really? it is in this movie. Like it's like the theater was vibrating. Wow! Every single time it was like for three hours. <laughs> Oh, that's very good. Thank you. Check that check out. Uh, I, should, I should get that monetized is what I should do. <laughs> uh, so lots of that sound effect. Um, and I think part of part of the um, the sort of the dis- discrepancy for me with this story is, you know, it's told in this very, very, like, as I mentioned, slow, deliberate manner, very controlled. Denis News direction is so sort of like, you know opaque and the 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 roger deakins is the cinematographer here mm. and there's a lot of hope that maybe this might be the thing that finally gets him an oscar win because he's been nominated 13 times and Whoa. he's one of, the, one of the greatest living um cinematographers what are some of the other 13 <clears throat> i think he did he's done a lot of like like no country for old men and oh. um i think he did arrival Mm. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, I should point out that Denis Villeneuve, despite the fact that we, well, I loved Arrival. I remember you, you, you changed a little on it toward mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, Sicario, I wasn't crazy about. 
Um, the one mm-hmm. he made prisoners with Hugh Jackman is just not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think that, but Arrival to me was good enough that I was like very, very hyped for this movie. I mean, yeah, I think Arrival, the directing and the, and the cinematography were amazing. It's <clears throat> right. the story that lost me. And, and, and that's, I think, kind of the same here. The story is, is surprisingly kind of sentimental and kind of trite and melodramatic mm. because it basically turns into, and, and okay, before we watched the movie, the poor publicist was tasked with reading all of us a letter from Denis Villeneuve. Oh, boy. Um, basically telling us not to, like, reveal anything about the plot. Oh, um, really? And being like, you know, please let people experience it the way you are experiencing it now. Don't tell them that he saves jazz. Exactly. <laughs> did you see his SNL yes, monologue? Yes, I did. That was the funniest fucking that shit. That was amazing. Right, you didn't save jazz. We saved jazz. We saved jazz. Oh, the way she delivered that. Oh, that was so actually good. a really good SNL episode. I am so very much, excited for this season. So much giggling. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Although then I saw like Pitchfork's headline was like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone claimed to have saved jazz and SNL, SNL monologue. I'm like, fuck you, Pitchfork. Don't deliberately misreport this. Come on. It, they were joking. They were joking. They were joking. Um, you know, since Pitchfork was like the site of where you could have any like indie asshole sound off about how the movie was fascist. But anyway, not to go backward on La La Land. Uh, <laughs> I'm still mad. Before we get there. I'm still mad. Um, but... Uh, so, uh, how did I get there? So, <laughs> so we talk about Ryan Gosling, we talk about saving jazz. What was in the middle of saying? You said it was real, uh, we said it was, it was very, um, smaltzy? Schmaltzy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's melodramatic. And, and, oh, the letter. The letter from Jimmy oh, right. about how we're not supposed to say anything. And, but it's not even, like, that kind of story. It's, so it's not like a, I mean, I will say that it's, it, it's, it's surprising enough that Angulene, one of the many, like, things that she leaned, leaned over and hissed at me during the movie, <laughs> Uh, was um, like a very cynical reading of she's like oh great now we've she had like 45 minutes in she's like we still have to wait two more hours before he figures out blank oh wow um, and, she needs um, to come on the show and she was wrong um, about that Ooh. prediction so the movie doesn't go down the exact path that I expected it to at least or that Ingu did although she may have figured it out before I did I'm sure she did um, but it, it, it winds up being more of like I think anytime a movie winds up being about like who someone's parent is uh, or like you know who well who's the who's the who's the who's the kid oh are you secretly their child like you know it's it's that kind of thing um, where mm-hmm. it's like okay well that's as soon as you or you know on TV shows it's always the worst fucking thing you can have in a cliffhanger it's like either it's, oh, they're pregnant or they're not the real father or you know like it's just Unless hacky it's, it's always sunny which it was amazing right Yes, I mean that the way they solved that was was great, <laughs> but it's just hacky. Um, and so the movie is, you know, it's so austere, and yet it has this sort of like super cliche kind of like driving plot point around like, you know, trying to figure out whose parents are who and whose child is who, and and it's it's just you know, yeah, it didn't it didn't work for me, mm. uh, and it has a very sentimental ending, which feels just yeah, just jarring and, and off. Especially because, you know, it has such a, you know, the Kubrickian vibe is mm-hmm. not only there in the austere direction, but also even in the score, mm-hmm. um, you know, which sounds very much like the Clockwork Orange score. And then to have this, yeah, um, it just gives you this very sort of tidy ending. How's the, how's the, the gauze? The gauze is fine. You know, he's there. He's pretty. Uh, you know, he has some moments of, of, of catharsis, some pathos. Uh, but you know, it, it's a little, I was thinking while I was watching that it was distracting to see him there just because like watching him just like brood around in a duster because he, <laughs> he's really, and he's nearly in every scene. Oh, really? Um, and, uh, and, and he just, uh, yeah, he just broods. He just broods a lot. It's a very sort of James Deany kind of performance. And Mr. Leto? God, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> He is. He, you want to talk about distracting? He is distracting in this movie. He's getting. What is wrong with his? What's going on with him? I don't know. He wants to make people uncomfortable, and so he keeps doing these like you know roles like you know where he clearly is. He's going way too all in. He's swinging for the highest offenses, and all in for like a little bit of screen time. Like he's barely in this movie. Hmm. But I heard that because his character is blind, and I heard that he literally like blinded himself the entire time he was on set. Just like he stayed in character as Joker mm. on Suicide Squad. And it's like, dude, it ain't that serious. Mm-mm. Isn't He just signed up to be something else ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He signed up to be Hugh Hefner. Right. Yeah. I'm like, so you're going to be like a womanizing pig the entire time on set? Would that be any different than normal? Oh. That would be the question. Uh, hot takes. Shots fired. <laughs> Are there any women re- in this movie? The, shots fired on the recently deceased. 
Uh, <laughs> Robin Wright is in mm, the movie. How's yes. that? Uh, it's great to see her. She is very, she is steely <laughs> as she is, as she's want to be recently as she was in Wonder Woman mm-hmm. as she is in House of Cards. Um, aside from her, there is a, so Mackenzie Davis from Halt and Catch Fire is, has a brief role. She is given very little to do, but she looks interesting. There is a, there's a European actress named Sylvia Hooks who plays a, like Leto's henchman, right man, right mm. hand man. She's very good. She makes a hell of an impression. There's like, Ryan Gosling has like a hologram girlfriend. Um, it's all very. Wait, you don't? It's all very. I have that body pillow, but um, <laughs> but it is a hologram body pillow though. It's no uh, real pillow. And um, and it's all. It gets to be all very her. It's very reminiscent mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie her. The movie her. Uh, because there's a scene where the girlfriend, uh, the hologram girlfriend who is like sentient. Uh, brings in like a flesh and blood woman to have to basically like be able to be intimate with Ryan Gosling since she can't have actual physical contact with him. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's a scene in her like that where Scarlett Johansson's like the bring bring this girl over so I can basically kind of you know through her be with you. So (laughs) wishing that like it turns out like the Saturday Night Live skit from this is that it ends up being like Kate McKinnon with the tiny hands or like. (laughs) Kate McKinnon is that like woman that keeps getting abducted. <laughs> she sends in like <laughs> uh, just gets her knockers out right away. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we're on fire. Yeah. And we're back. Turns out we were not on fire. False alarm. Uh, Literally. What did happen was we had neighbors who did not know how to turn off their fire alarm. Mm-hmm. In spite of the raging embers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as Scott says, just don't put batteries in the first place. Oh my god. <laughs> That did tickle me, but also it's terrible. Hashtag many by the CO. Check your, yeah, right. Check your fire alarms. Check your CO2 detectors. I tell you about that CO2 CO2 issue I had, right? Yes. Last year. Quick, quick aside. (laughs) Nothing to do, but I have to, now I feel like it's my duty to tell you. Mm. Last year, had a house cleaner come in. And she didn't know. Dropped down the spot. (laughs) So intense were the levels. Right, yeah. Canary in the coal mine. Um, uh, And she put tinfoil on the bottom of the oven to make sure it didn't get dirty, but I didn't know it was there, and we turned on the oven. And then the CO2 alarm went off, and then I took the battery out like one does. (laughs) And then the second CO2 alarm went off, and then we were like, oh, get the cats, put them in the car, and then called the fire department, and they came, and they were like, whoa, this is, like, intense. Because it's like the there's air vents at the bottom of the stove that, like, suck the uh, air out. And if you don't, then it um, builds up. And it was basically um, the house was would have been a very dangerous place to be. Um, so... Put the cats in the car is always the first thing most people say when there's an urgent situation at home. The cats in the car. <laughs> you need to get go. Out of here. Yeah, no, CO2 detectors are, to me, far more important than... I feel like you're more likely to... Because it's 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 the invisible killer, guys. Everyone knows mm-hmm. when there's smoke. You can see it. You can Not smell it. Not when you're it. sleeping. Well, sure you do. <laughs> Why can't I breathe? Yeah, by the time... Okay, never mind. <laughs> the idea is if it's in the, another room, then it wakes right. you up before you... Okay. You, yes, you understand. I do. But CO2 is so scary. Okay. Now where were we I'm, at? I'm like literally... I'm so paranoid. I'm always like checking to make sure ours is working. I'm Good. S- I'm terrified of it. Everyone should. Um, that and aneurysms. But, well, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Only there was a way you can see one of those coming. Hand pain. Um, so what are you going to give this one? Blade Runner we're still talking about. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like with Blade Runner, this is one of those movies where, you know, I just feel like almost like it's it's just more for the fanboys. And since I'm not a fanboy, you know, I feel like I am not even equipped to like review it. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it is, you know, it's gorgeously done, great filmmaking, great cinematography, great sound design, all that shit. Um, but I just feel like there's not much to it. Mm. Um, and it is unforgivably long and slow. And so I'm going to give it a consumer moderation. Blade Runner 2049 is rated R for violence, some sexuality, nudity, and language. And that brings us to our second movie of the week, which is Lucky. A nine-year-old atheist has outlived and outsmoked his contemporaries. As he comes to terms with his own mortality, he searches for ever-elusive enlightenment. They call me Lucky. President Roosevelt escaped. How does a hundred-year-old tortoise escape? I hope he turns up soon, for Howard's sake. I got this anxiety attack. I fell. Lucky fell down. Let's not make a production out of it. 
No sign of concussion. Lungs are great even though you smoke. You get much exercise. I walk around all the time. I do five yoga exercises every day. Nice outfit there, cowboy. I was scared to death. I started thinking there's nothing out there. It's all black. The Void. So this, to me, felt like um, an insider movie. Okay, go on. Expand on that. In that um, it is like almost like a group of people who knew each other, made a movie for themselves, Mm. and maybe other people would appreciate it. I'm sure many people do. Um, But it's basically for this like almost like Hollywood clique Hmm. of uh, David Lynch, Harry Dean Stanton, um, Ron Livingston, I don't know. That seems like a bit of a <laughs> bit of a weird addition, but like I could see it. I could see well, it. I mean, I know the movie was written for Harry Dean Stanton, and it's directed by John Carroll Lynch, it's who's his an actor. Debut. Yes. Uh, so it, it does feel very much. It just it just feels like a love letter to Harry Dean Stanton, who just passed away. Yes, who passed away mid September at the age of ninety one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, from what I can gather, is only the second lead role he ever had in in like 60, 70 years of screen acting. The mm-hmm. first one being Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which oh, I guess that's true. Which I've actually never seen. Mm, me either. Yeah. Uh, I know it's Mima's favorite movie. Oh. Um, or she could just be saying that because it's the kind of thing people say like, well, my favorite movie is Paris, Texas. <laughs> well, mine's Muriel's Wedding. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so the, the whole movie is, is, is a love letter to Harry Dean Stanton. And he certainly is inimitable uh it's an amazing performance for someone who is 90 years old and clearly at the end of their life yeah um i so the movie is you know very much about a a man at the end of his life um and i can't imagine what that would be to to, what it would be like to act in that yeah to just be like sort of telling the story of your own death in real time right in a movie except for like slightly fictionalized right that seems like it would be such a mindfuck. Yeah, to be like playing this character that is walking toward mortality, and as you yourself are walking toward mortality. It's kind of like uh, when David Bowie made that last like music oh, video. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Oof. Yeah, this is creeping me out. Oof, oof. Um, that's well, it. The power of that, even though this was not my favorite movie by any stretch of the means, the power of both knowing that he passed away mm-hmm. and knowing what or seeing what this movie is about, it makes it in- incredibly. Um, hard to ignore. Yeah, and poignant, impactful. Yeah, and he is. I mean, he is, and he's he's magnificent. He's really. I I would love to see, and I feel like they probably will try for an awards push. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, it's it's you know, he's a veteran. He's of, in every scene of this movie. Yeah, it's he, about like he's very. It's like sort of physical for a ninety year old. Oh, it's very. There's physical. a lot of walking, There's a lot a, of like exercising, lots of underwear scenes, lots of underwear scenes, which was real tough for me because on the one hand, like my eyes just automatically want to go there. But uh, mm. they, but then I would go there, and I'd be like, well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I mean, he's. I mean, we should all be as limber when we're ninety as mm-hmm. he is in this movie, just bouncing all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he just he just knows how to hold the camera. You know, he mm-hmm. knows how to just draw you in uh, with you know the sort of inner life of his character. Which the same can't be said for, in my opinion, um, David Lynch and um, Ron Livingston. <laughs> I was like, okay, so this is a directorial debut, but these are seasoned actors who like know their way around the camera, and it seemed really strange. The rest of it seemed so stagey and weird. Mm. Um, Interesting. I thought that David Lynch actually nailed. He has a giant show-stopping monologue. Oh, about, actually, okay, that part was great about his missing turtle, um, President just who Roosevelt. He is. Yeah, I mean, David Lynch always has a very, you know, stilted quality to his acting. You mm-hmm. know, he's always doing, you know, he has that that voice and that accent. And he always seems like he's, this to me was the most human he's ever been on camera. He registered actual human emotion yeah. um, while giving this, this genuinely, I was just watching it. I was awed. I was touched watching his monologue in this movie, even though in, a, in its own Lynchian way, it was about, you know, a turtle named President Roosevelt. <laughs> um, the whole movie had a somewhat Lynchian vibe to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, so I can see where you're getting this idea that, like, it feels like it was just made by the circle of friends that would make this piece of art that would be reminiscent of each other's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have, yeah, just random people like Tom Skerritt is in mm-hmm. it. Um, Beth Grant uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the Mindy Project and Speed, among other things. Uh, but, you know, it's it's it ultimately comes down very much to being Harry Dean Stanton's show and and I think it's it's just kind of like it's just yeah it's a meditation on mortality it's a meditation on Harry Dean Stanton and mm-hmm. and his face and his in his rubbery old ninety year old body bless it and uh, and and there's there's not a lot to this movie this is definitely like an experiential movie this movie that you walk through and you experience and you feel it 
uh, or you don't. And it does it does get pretty esoteric at times mm-hmm. with a lot of the conversations that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, like Blade Runner 2049, it's more philosophical than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, normally fine. I just honestly, I had a hard time. This movie didn't really pull me in. Hmm. I, I I didn't like cast like the movie spell over me. I was very distracted while I was watching it. Interesting. Uh, I thought I was going to be, and then it it kind of quickly turned. I definitely mm. like um, put my phone down pretty quickly yeah. into it. Um, yeah. There's this wonderful scene in the movie where um, he sort of you know he's again he's ninety and he's single and he um, you know he very much has a routine. He does the same thing every day. And he kind of gets the possibility of like liking someone or mm. like having a little bit of a romantic mm-hmm. um, interest. And it doesn't go too far and it isn't unrealistic and it right. isn't creepy at all. Mm-hmm. And then that's the part where he breaks out into song. He like sings mm. a song in Spanish. Um, and it's he was also a singer, Harry Dean Stanton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he has a lovely voice. Yeah, a wonderful voice. Um, like a really sweet moment. Mm. Um, it I don't know. There are sort of these unexpected things that happen. The David Lynch monologue about the tortoise. Mm-hmm. Um, this part where he kind of has this realization about how he was like homophobic and then oh, yeah. um uh, and then realizes he was wrong yeah about liberace mm-hmm. um i don't know it was it was slow but it to, to me it 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 uh, pulled me in i was wondering where it was going with the whole homophobia thing because earlier in the film mm-hmm. they show him go into this favorite diner he goes into all the time and there is these like two gay boys in like tank tops at the counter and they kiss and he <laughs> he goes like oh Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but then I'm like, I'm like, all right, movie, what are you doing with this? And I'm like, actually, I do make that same face and, and, and noise whenever <laughs> I see like gay boys in tank tops kissing at counters and restaurants. I'm like, all right, yeah, boys. you like Palm Springs, and yeah, Palm Springs. While well, we we stayed in the house, uh, <laughs> we did we did not leave. I'm the sure house. you still saw gay boys in tank tops kissing. Um, I did. That's true. Talking to you, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's it, you know, he's on this journey, and I think he's you know, it's very much about this person who at the at the very at the zero hour mm-hmm. starts to sort of come to life. Um, you know, it's very set in his ways, very set into believing that he knows everything he'll ever know, um, and then has some kind of surprises. Uh, yeah, very, 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 very late uh, in life. I would love to hear like an interview with David Lynch or um, John Carroll. John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll. John no, no, no relation, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, about what it was like working with him in this movie. If only we had looked it up before we taped it. If this. only we had. <laughs> I mean, I already looked it up. No, they don't exist. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you going to give this one? Yeah, this is a consume moderation for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I would give it a consume plus. Okay. Um, I think that if you are um, in the mood to kind of be touched, uh, this is a good good movie for you. But not like that. But maybe like that. Maybe like that. Yeah. Um, Lucky is unrated, but probably an R, right? For language. Um, probably about it. Just language, right? Yeah, and lots so. of gratuitous Dean Stanton underwear work. Yeah. Maybe I just identify too much with this like chain smoking, <laughs> want to fight, like doing old man. yoga exercises in your house by himself. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking that, but I wasn't sure how to say it. So. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is, it's like looking into the future. <laughs> Next week. It doesn't look, it doesn't look that bad. Doesn't look that bad. <laughs> right, you're just guarding in your underwear. How do you know where I live? <laughs> um, yeah. She saw pieces of herself. A little bit. Um, so yeah, so it's unrated. And that brings us to our third movie of the week, in just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, mm-hmm. um, which we are celebrating here at the bench. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know any of those words in Spanish. <laughs> uh, no. So, so uh, the movie is Chavela. And um, should I read it in Spanish? Oh, has it been confirmed? It has been confirmed. Do you want to say what you mean you know by it's I been confirmed? You know I don't. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, um, translated, had this uh, copy translated, and then uh, because I wasn't sure about it, I asked my dad, and he said, looks good. He did not say, see. <laughs> he did not say, see. Um, mm. I'm going to give it a shot. He's going to his word at it. And if, and if it's terrible, I have nobody to blame but him for never, never teaching me Spanish. <laughs> So I'm like shaking. I'm so nervous. Here's the thing. I fuck up the intros in English every week. So this is going to be, at least you won't know if I fucked up. That's true. Somebody well, will then. Want me to try reading it? La vida de la cantante mexicana, Chevelle Vargas, que gana fama mundial por su belleza y encanto y su interpretación de la ranchera tradicional. So that was a mess. Uh, the life of me- Mexican singer Chevela Vargas, who gains worldwide fame for her beauty and charm in her interpretation of traditional ranchera. 
si tienes un mundo penal, piensa en mí. Si tienes ganas de llorar, piensa en mí. No ves que venero tu imagen Tu párvula boca que siendo tan niña me enseñó a pegar. Uh, didn't see this coming. <laughs> did you know what this movie was going to be about? I did, yes. Uh, and I was excited for you to watch it. I was so excited to see it. Yay! What a movie. Um, I, I would have given this a binge it if it was, as we mentioned earlier, better documentary. Yes. You really hit the nail on the head with that one. Did we say that on the air? Not yet. <laughs> okay. As you said earlier to me, right. and we're saying here for the first time. Yes. Uh, I am so, I did not know anything about Shavela Vargas prior to watching this. And, you know, Nor just did from, I. And this, that's played, you know, it played at Frameline this year, and I didn't see it then, but I was reading about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I am so glad to now be aware of this woman and of her life and of what she represented and what a trailblazer she was in so many regards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I am down with her music now too. Like I just today was listening to the Javela Vargas Essentials playlist in Apple Music. Nice. I was like, did you go on Discogs to see, I did go um, on there's Discogs. that $455, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm bidding, I'm bidding you yeah. on Discogs, <laughs> yes, trying right. to buy the records. Right. It's like, fine, I'll just buy some Your Italian. Your big tool for you. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I am looking on Discogs to get some of her stuff on vinyl. Uh, because I mean, she really is like, she's like the Mexican Judy Garland or something. Like the way she just like belts these songs, like she's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's so emotional. And one thing the movie does that it genuinely does not need to do is it puts um, the English translations of the lyrics on the screen mm-hmm. while she's singing, similar, similarly to how the Amy Winehouse documentary did oh, that. Right, yeah. But whereas that movie was drawing attention to Amy Winehouse as a lyricist, it doesn't add anything here to have the translations because it's not like they're great lyrics right. and she wasn't writing them. Right. Um, it's really like the emotion in her voice is all you need to know. Mm-hmm. If anything, you're thinking like, oh, wow, those are the words and she's putting that much emotion on it? <laughs> God damn. Um, but so, I think that what they made a point in the movie that that was a different style of song. Yes. Right? Um, that usually uh, it wasn't so vulnerable, really. Yeah. Um, and it, so her voice really just you know made it a, a one-two combination of and a, sadness and she sang like a man as they said mm-hmm. so um, do you want to talk a little you bit get, about oh, no okay <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about why? you're like oh, let me ask you about let this me, no i want to ask you <clears throat> uh you know you tell wh- me why you were so um you know what you were thinking as you were watching this story unfold um well let's talk a little bit about her life so yeah. in general yeah um, so we have, um, she was born in Costa Rica in the early 19, uh, 1920s. Yes, that sounds right. She has, she leaves and goes to Mexico because her parents, um, give her up basically. And she finds herself later as a singer and then has, has tries to be very feminine on stage. It does not work at all for her. Mm-hmm. And she just switches it up and kind of adopts a more masculine presence on stage and sings and um, becomes very famous for singing these um, sad love songs. Goes goes around and starts you know, becoming quite a heavy drinker, has affairs with um, famous people, wives of politicians. Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo, which is the, the sort of stories and mm-hmm. um, Ava Gardner. photos. Ava Gardner, right? Um, so, you know, hero status. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> what we're talking about we're here talking about, like, is a fucking boss. Wow. Um, so between this and Lucky Take Lu- that Frank Sinatra You looked at Lucky and saw your real future <laughs> You looked at Chavela and saw your dream future <laughs> And I think the real future is Blade Runner <laughs> and It's like that like, like, My real like, future is hologram girlfriend <laughs> It's either way <laughs> Too much Famous too much. movie star alone doing push-ups <laughs> Which is my right now and or hologram girlfriend. Oh shit. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, that's a real, it's yeah. a real roller coaster. Yeah. Um, so uh, eventually, alcoholism sort of gets the the best of her, and like so many musicians, mm-hmm. um, she gets nothing from record labels. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, in poverty. And then 
is sort of discovered again later in life. First of all, this is another thing. She lives forever. Yes, she does. Um, much like Lucky. Um, yes. You think she's, she's going to die anytime between 1979 <laughs> and when she actually dies, which is like, what, yeah. 2009 or yeah. something? Uh, no, she, I think she died in like 2012 and she was, oh, nine, right. yeah, and she yeah, was yeah. 93. Yes. She was 93 and she did not take care of herself. No, she drank so, so much. Oh I mean, Harry didn't stand and smoked. So mm-hmm. once again, yeah, my smoking and drinking Pick seemed your... to really... Right, and that's where they merge for you. <laughs> that's where these two stories can my hologram girlfriend does not care if I smoke. <laughs> well, I hope that your hologram girlfriend isn't as annoying as her late in life girlfriend in this movie was. Her late in life girlfriend. Like, oh, yeah. She was a little annoying. A little bit. She? she was a little patronizing. Um, she was. Um, although she did save her from a terrible record record deal. Well, um, so she gets yes. sort of rediscovered and is brought to Spain for um, you know, a, what would you call that? Uh, call when you have a guest she's like a renaissance yeah, a yeah renaissance. she's a renaissance and and is um, Pedro Almodovar becomes her biggest champion mm-hmm. um and sort of tours around with her introducing her at shows and putting his songs in her movies and that's what I was wondering I was like I think I've heard about mm-hmm. her just from him yeah and from his movies and um and sure enough the sort of uh, climactic song we see her perform in this movie is the song Volver Volver mm-hmm. which Pedro named Volver his film after and I believe he has Penelope Cruz sings that song in the movie uh, and then he, you know, I think uses a lot of recordings of Chavela's music. Mm-hmm. And I think me, mm-hmm. as a gay man like Pedro, I, I definitely am connecting with just the extreme dramatic emotion mm-hmm. of the vocals, and also that they're they're and also her her deep voice. You know, this is not this is not a high thin pretty voice. It's a very deep, at times almost uncomfortably emotional voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was i mean if you're wondering you know oh was was mexico a friendly place for like gender bending lesbians in the 50s and 60s <laughs> the answer is no surprise no <laughs> it still was not um and yet and she she came out as a lesbian at 81 mm-hmm. she was 81 years old when she came out as a lesbian again it, i mean she had been living yes. as a lesbian but um yeah she know. publicly came out in and i think that was in the 90s she came out yeah. in the 1990s at 81 as a lesbian mm-hmm. this icon of mexico uh, Which is kind of, I mean, it's an interesting thing because I think that when you, you kind of have that lifestyle where, and she mentions that like, you know, the term lesbian had been used so mm-hmm. many times as like a, as like a slur um, and an insult and um, a way to, to take her, take away the successes she, she's had mm-hmm. um, to really be able to face that and then give a public speech about how you should be who you are and yeah. how she did come out is something a lot of people have not been able to do. Yeah. Um, particularly, particularly difficult. Yes, yes. I think that this. I think that the film. I think that the Javela documentary is a film that gets better as it goes on to the point where the final act of it is is powerful. Mm, it's a yeah, powerful it really is. final act. I think it's a little spotty the first act in particular because it starts off with this very shitty looking video interview footage <laughs> that um that one of the doc that one of the doc, uh, directors shot with Chavela in 1991. Yeah, I think everyone kept trying to make these documentaries thinking she was about to die yeah. and then she <laughs> kept living. And so now you have all this footage this like is, I guess we'll still use yeah. it. Yeah, this is like <laughs> eight different Chavela's on Death's Door documentaries Frankenstein into one. Actually, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie was um when she they it was one of those documentaries. I think it was like in the early 2000s. And um, she was talking about this mountain that she lives by and how oh, yeah. um, she's going to like. And so one of her friends had said, like, she was always about to die. And mm. she had this personality uh, and way about her where she was like she lived a dramatic life um, in addition to singing these songs. But she was always like so ready to, you know, mm-hmm. embrace her own mortality and, yeah. and the sadness of life. And the, anyway, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> into it i know she, she's and fantastic she, and she wanted to die on stage yeah like we see she really she wanted to make history by literally just dying giving up the ghost on stage at the end of a, perfor- a triumphant perfor- a return performance to madrid mm-hmm. um and she's just like sitting there in her wheelchair wanting very much to just die right there in the moment and then didn't work out and she's like well i'm not gonna die tonight get me back to mexico now <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking like a rebecca del rio yeah. uh, mulholland drive moment where she just like passes out but then the right. music goes on <laughs> I mean, it's really, I mean, she's incredible. And this one thing, you know, I, I want to give the movie credit that it made me feel like the totality of her life. Yes. Like by the end, I felt like I had like gone through right? so much. I was like, with I have her. a drinking problem. <laughs> I have uh, been I didn't celebrated say I saw myself and driven in her. from stage. Oh, right. Me neither. Yeah, I mean, she, she, she. <laughs> <laughs> Impeccable style. Mm-hmm. Um, work, I, work from home today feels real relaxed. <laughs> Um, I I'm giving this movie a binge it. 
Aria. It's not pick of the week, and I'm not sure why, because it should be. This movie, especially if you like this show, if you listen to this show, you're going to fucking love this movie. Mm. Um, I feel like there are a lot of people in, the, in this world. I, like, if I had seen this movie when I was growing up, yeah. game changer. Yeah. Game changer. I mean, she is just remarkable. And in just, just the fact that she was able to sort of get away with it for so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people said it was because of her, her beauty and her charm. And, you know, and she also... You know, and there's a lot of sort of internalized mm-hmm. misogyny that goes on with her because, like, you know, some people are saying in the film, they're like, you know, she had to be the most macho of them all. If she mm-hmm. wasn't going to be mm-hmm. a, a feminine woman. She had to be the most macho of the machos. And mm-hmm. uh, and she committed to that completely to the point where, like, and there are no stories of her about her being, like, beaten or, or victimized. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, she really became that, you mm-hmm. know, that person. And so in some ways, that's a sad story. Yes, uh, absolutely. That she had to force herself to become like the, an asshole dude. Mm-hmm. But I think in a lot of ways, as we see her later in life, that was also kind of just who she was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that was just the way her gender identity manifested. Like she didn't, when she decided to start, you know, rejecting the more like feminine modes of dress and behavior, it wasn't be- as, a, as a shrewd calculation no, of like, oh, no. I'll be better in my career. If I-. It was just her authentic self, like just shaping against what was prescribed for like what female singers were meant to do and perform as. Mm-hmm. And and she just like, and yeah, she just lived as like every inch as much of a sort of a badass rock star, destructive, boozing, womanizing life <laughs> as like a Mick Jagger. Um, and uh, but then she got to have this glorious renaissance at the end of her life, mm-hmm. uh, starting in the '90s onward, where she got to have the appreciation. Um, and after she came out, you know, she got yeah. to have the appreciation that uh, that she that she deserved. So I was I feel very glad to have learned about her, and I want to keep listening to her music. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the movie is still a consume because I think that as a documentary, it is pretty mediocre. Um, but it, it, I'm very glad to have watched it. And I think if you guys don't know about Chavela Vargas, this is the best way to find out about her. Absolutely. And I think that like, you know, the queer part of the story aside, this just seems like someone who I would want to know. It seems like such a shame. This person who, who had associations with so many interesting, artistic, famous Mm. people, um, it's one of those those lives, um, like I don't know, like Truman Capote or someone. You're like, what was it, what was it like to know them? Why were people so drawn to them? Mm-hmm. What is it like to be in the presence of that kind of charisma? You can tell me. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm asking you answer. That's the goddamn question. <laughs> um, it just seems it just I don't know. Seems fantastic and it filled me with a lot of um, joy. <laughs> joy. Um, so yeah, I'm giving it a binge it. L binge it. <laughs> Shavela is unrated, but probably PG-13 for language and thematic content. Just. Uh, that's the end of the show. Are you happy? I'm happy. Are you happy it's over? I feel joy. <laughs> I feel joy. Um, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud app even, if you uh, if you uh, want to do use that. It's still going. Um, our website is thebinge.us. And I am uh, on Twitter at Fight Balance, and Jason is Excess Baggage. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.